Oh, are you positive you're related to the great Lupin? Are you positive you're not just a huge chicken? So, Ben. Oh, yes, Cleon. So, we know that, you know, watching the seasons of Lupin that we have, that Lupin mm-hmm. not only faces villains and, you know, organizations and rich people, really, mm-hmm. um, we also see like a whole bunch of different types of enemies, like things that kind of border outside the realm of reality, right? Right, like psychokinetic statues and uh, psychic midgets and a third more different kind of psychic enemies. Yeah, exactly. We have resurrected clones of Leonardo da Vinci. Yeah, true. We have that zombie episode that didn't turn out to be zombies, but I'd like to think that... But you could you have know, believed it. Yeah, exactly. Zombies are probably canon somewhere in the Lupin universe, right? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, what type of fantastical creature or, you know, Hollywood, you know, nightmare type of character haven't we seen yet in Lupin? Haven't seen an episode where Lupin goes to steal something from Scotland and accidentally befriends the Loch Ness monster. Now that is an episode I would like to see. That'd that would be, be fun. That'd be cute. Imagine yeah, like yeah. um um going on on top of the Loch Ness and he like leaps off to cut something of Zenigata's. That'd be fun. Yeah, exactly. And like you know, the Fiat crashes into Loch Ness itself, it and the you lake know, and it comes up with the neck. Yeah, yeah. Exactly, exactly. But I'm talking about a different type of um, creature. So we we saw on the podcast, or well, heard on the from Lee in our um, latest podcast about that episode where he goes to like Castle Dracula or something, right? I think in but, Legend of Mamo. Yeah, in Legend of Mamo, right? But there's no actual vampires in that. No, I don't think so. The movie yeah. is wild, but from memory, there's not. Yeah. So now, in part two, there is very much a um, vampire episode. I'll right. Have cool. Yeah, yeah. This is kind of like the start of a sort of series of episodes where a lot of supernatural stuff happens. But there is, there is in fact a vampire episode, and um, they find this vampire through some sort of like statue, like a golden Maria statue, right? And and that kind of should give you a clue as to the kind of tale that we'll be talking about um, in this episode. Uh, So we see a vampire. So now given that it's Lupin, you know, you want to have a foil for him. What type of vampire do you think it might be? He eats the color red and Lupin is wearing a red jacket in this series. <laughs> now, that is very clever, Ben. I like what you're thinking is that because it is the red jacket series. So that, that would make sense. But no, no, no. I'm talking more like the aesthetic of the vampire. Like given that it's Lupin, you know. Oh, um, it's a hot would, chick. Yeah, exactly. It would be like a hot female vampire. And, and Coochie's a blood-sucking bitch. What in the hell is the matter with you? Obviously, you know, you turn that into something sort of romantic or have her yep. be like a sort of succubus. Wine her, dine her, but she's the one wanting and dining you. Exactly, exactly. Um, definitely taking red wine to a whole new level. Um, and of course you have, you know, Lupin kind of becoming one of her victims. And then we have like a part of the story where Lupin himself is a vampire for a part oh, of the episode. Neat. Yeah, so the team has to sort of fight Lupin as a vampire. Does he wear a little and- cape? 
Yeah, he has a cape and everything. Yes. And, um, you know, so the gang takes it very seriously. They start to hang, like, you know, long lines of garlic on the door. Um, they start wearing silver crosses and everything like that. In fact, towards the end of the episode, um, Goemon has to fight some of the vampires and he starts to cut them, but it doesn't work. So do you know what he does with this katana, Ben? Oh, he'll either A, dip it in holy water, B, eat something garlicky, like a simple Japanese food with garlic in it and kill them that way. Or, I don't know, I guess cut curtains off of something. Well, I, I really like that, um, Ben. Like, I think those are both very cromulent theories, but he actually takes a leaf out of um, the movie Logan's book where he um, attaches um, something to his katana and he basically starts using a cross, like a crucifix, <laughs> to fight against them, which actually somehow works against the vampires. Now, the thing is, I'm, I'm, a bit, I'm going a bit off track because we have to talk about how the vampire comes into existence. It kind of takes a leap out of Jojo's Bizarre Adventure, part one, Phantom Blood, very great series in there, where the vampire comes through because it's been buried for like, you know, hundreds, maybe 2,000 years. And um, I guess I'm wanting to ask you, Ben, how do you think vampires might originate in the world of Lupin? Like, what, what, what would your theory Ooh, be? It's a, it's a curse from stealing something. Like an idol's well, curse, and when they steal it, they become a vampire. I was going to say close, but uh, not even, unfortunately. Oh, it's actually this particular, this woman who is the vampire in the Lupin the Third universe is the twin, twin sibling of someone else that we are very, very familiar with. Who do you think, you know, no. to be a vampire, who do you have to be the twin of? Like one of the main cast members? Well, no, no. Um, though I would say we know this person a lot more than any character in Lupin the Third. Oh gosh, who is it? You've known this character for probably, or this. You've known about this person. Let's just say person for longer than you can even have memories potentially. Asene, the first Lupin. No, Ben. I mean, obviously, you okay. don't know about the original Arsene Lupin until you meet okay. Lupin the Third. Think about who in your life have you known, like, for a severely long time. Like, you can't even think back to a time, unless you have, like, a lot of child memories before you even had concepts of this. But from what I know about your upbringing, Ben, I would assume that you know you have known this person for longer than you have memories. My mom? Well... <laughs> Well, uh, this person has definitely existed for a long period um, before your mum, but it might be someone that your mum introduced you to. Let's just Jesus? say that. Jesus? Yes. Wait, no! No! Excuse me? I said my mum because I was hesitating on saying that as the jerk, because that was so dumb and I didn't want to be blessed. What the hell? No. Yes. yes. So the canonical vampire in the Lupin the Third universe is the twin sister of Jesus Christ, who, um, yeah, who was abandoned by Joseph and Mary somewhere. Excuse and- me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and um, that's why crucifixes work against vampires because no. it's her, her twin brothers sort of, no. I guess, power working against her. That is some Japanese people have not read the Bible anime <laughs> BS. That is Evangelion levels of not understanding the scripture. 
and and it's and it's done so nonchalantly. Like this episode, Ben, is just the one of the craziest things I've ever seen. And, it's and actually so, a thoroughly enjoyable episode, but the way that they sneak in this origin story is so nonchalant. Like I feel like yeah, like you'd think the Japanese audience would be like, yeah, cool, that makes sense. I guess like. Jesus was fucking around with some vampires back in his day. But, like, for a Western audience, it is absolutely insane. So, so this, is, this is something I love about discussing cartoons too much. Is when you pick up on something that is, is arguably, like, you can't deny this is canon to a show. And because they weren't thinking when they introduced this element way back when, it's, it's now fully canon. And, and no matter if you stop thinking about it, a little part of you is always going to remember that fact when you watch this universe, right? So not yeah. only does this reveal <laughs> that vampires are real in the Lupin universe, and that one of them is Jesus' sister, it also implies Jesus is canon in the Lupin universe. Um, yeah. And therefore, Lupin is clearly in the wrong, needs to repent, and Zenigard is in the right. So... <laughs> That's a yes. lot of like cosmic revelation there that they probably didn't intend. That's um, that's pretty heavy. It's, it's given yeah. me a lot to think about. <laughs> and she can pass on her vampirism to other people. Exactly. She kind of creates like a whole cavalcade of vampires that fights against the gang. But um, it, basically like Goemon uses his crucifix katana blade as a lightning rod and the lightning then dissipates and burns all the vampires. It's like a video game ending. It's oh amazing. Gosh. Like mwah, chef's kiss. That is some Castlevania shit. <laughs> Yeah, don't need to watch two seasons of Long Ass Fucking Castlevania on Netflix. Just watch this one episode of Lupin, and you kind of get the gist, really. Do we know? Do we know what year um, this uh, episode kind of takes place in in the Red Jacket series? Yeah, so this 80s. would have been seventy something. It would have been pre Caliostro. Yeah, because okay. um, I am fascinated. I don't know how this lines up with Japan's interests, but I am fascinated by cartoons from like the late. 70s, early 80s, I believe, where mm-hmm. um, they always, especially like Hanna Barbera, always throws to like the spooky Transylvanian stuff for like yeah. entertainment. You got like that one team in Wacky Races that's like a haunted mansion with the fire. You got like Adam's Family. You've got every series from that show, whether it's the Flintstones or Yogi Bear, has that one episode where they've got to stay the night because the uncle's will says they'll inherit the house so they can survive a night in a haunted mansion. Um, I don't know like why they kept throwing to that. But I don't. Maybe it's just the birth of goths. But um, it's a I, very. I think I have a. I have oh. an idea because yeah. I would say people who are creating in the seventies. You know, they're sort of Our in their drugs. maybe. Yeah, good answer. 20, well, that that would definitely be um, the logical catalyst for it. But like they're in their twenties, thirties, forties, fifties, and you know, you think back to things that might have inspired them, just like how anime has kind of inspired us. Like if we were to make something creative, like a lot of our inspiration would come from like Disney anime, you know, all of that kind of stuff. And for them, it would have been those universal monsters, you know, those Hollywood Yeah, actually, monsters. that would probably be it. In fact, those films are probably in circulation at that time as well. Yeah, and I think especially coming from, like, a Japanese perspective, you know, for them, this is this big Hollywood sort of American thing. And I think what I'm getting a lot, lot from um, in the sort of middle part of part two that I'm up to now is that they are sort of not pandering, but I think they are trying to appeal to a more Western audience. Like, Interesting. Like they've become aware of like Italian fan base and stuff like that at this point. 
Yeah, exactly. And of course, like, you know, that kind of universal Hollywood monster sort of stuff would be big back in Europe as well, I'd assume. Mm. Yeah, it definitely is probably what contributed to it, actually. Uh, and I think it's kind of funny how often they failed at trying to reboot that same monster uh, movie vibe. Uh, it's, it's kind of sad. <laughs> yeah, because then I think we get into the more gory, realistic type of horror and we kind of lose that kind of yeah. pulp, pulp horror, pulp spookiness and, and everything like yeah. that. I think Adam's family describe it well when they say they're crazy and they're kooky. Mm. Um, I think it's the kookiness is what's interesting about that genre, not the, the, the spookiness as such. Yeah, exactly. And now... I guess, you know, whilst we're on the train about things that are horror stories and scary, <laughs> let's move on to our topic for today's podcast. Cleon and I, independently, um, because Corona, uh, both decided to sit down and watch uh, the uh, Lupin the Third movie from 2014. Yeah. Live action. Um, and uh, basically, it's a horrible movie, and I don't recommend it to anyone. All right, good no. night, everybody. Thanks for listening to our podcast. We've been better, Cleon. Thanks. <laughs> talk about a good Lupin. <laughs> I would drop my mic, but I really can't afford another one. <laughs> For reals though, like guys, I don't think I can, I, I don't think it's humanly possible for anyone to talk about the plot for this movie because it's just so- Come on, Jigen, it's a six letter word and it starts with an F and a U. Fungus. Ew. And lackadaisical. I don't even know if that's a word, but fuck it. Like I feel that it- It was definitely lackadaisical. <laughs> describes this movie perfectly i think like i think we have to talk more about like why this movie was made potentially and like lee said in our last podcast why maybe we shouldn't really look to a live action lupin like why we should just kind of leave that aside and maybe try different things because this is definitely a movie that is, is a very cautionary tale for adapting Lupin in, in a live action medium. You've said every episode, you've snuck in a line about, where is my live action Western Lupin? Yeah. And now this one movie has toppled your whole empire. Like straight I, I... up, guys and Ben, like I thought that taking a shit in the middle of watching this movie, like putting on pause was like, that was relief for me. Ah, the old exploding bear trap in the ass trick. <gasps> I mean, both from a visceral biological sense, but also from a psychological, mental, emotional sense, because I just, I just needed a break, you know? And yeah. obviously, like, I was kind of digging my own grave, because then it was being, it was like, oh, 
I even have longer that I need to kind of be within the time frame of this experience. You know, I, I yeah. went off, I did the dishes, I folded some laundry, took a seismic shit, you know, like nothing, nothing. Like in the movie. Yeah, it would, it would, it would provide me sort of brief interludes of, you know, humanity, but mystery, it, adventure, fun, yes, yeah. everything that I look. A nice visceral biological release, which is something that I get from every episode of Lupin the Third that I watch. I don't know about oh, you, but whoa. Just, just, just the Fujiko ones. Um, just, yeah. <laughs> uh, Are you coming? Practically. Um, say so yeah, it. Like, let's begin. The film is two hours long. Yeah. It does not need to be two hours long. So two hours long. I'm kind of excited. I actually had a friend over. Now, this friend, dear friend but has some things she needs to work out in her life. I get, she's never seen Back to the Future, and I gave her the option of, do you want to watch Back to the Future or this random Japanese weed movie that I need to watch for podcasts? She has chosen that the hill she'll die on is not watching Back to the Future, mm. and so she picked this movie. I'm like, okay, whatever, I need to watch it anyway. Two hours in, I'm like, this is going to be exciting. Maybe this will get her into loop on. Hoping for the best. I send you a text 10 minutes into the <laughs> film that says 10 minutes in, I hate this movie. I wait another 10 minutes, maybe just the intro being really slow. 20 minutes in. I hate everything about this movie. <laughs> I, I was at work and like in, in the interlude for every session that I had at work, it was just another dreadful update from Ben. Just making my my eventual anticipation for this movie even worse. Like I, I started to dread it as well because like it's it's, I wouldn't say it's rare that Ben would be this absolutely rancid about something <laughs> but when you are it's it's a very special type of horrible um yes. or, or if not horrible at least something that would be uncomfortable to experience to a certain extent you know yes so oh gosh i guess people might be wondering you know if we ha how can we hate a lupon film so much if we're a lupon podcast and that's our special uh needs area of interest right that's why we're here we have to take the bad with the good right but yeah. honestly i think this film's biggest crime besides all the other things it did wrong which is everything in my honestly in my opinion this is like the antithesis way you would go about making this movie my big problem comes back to lupin and he wasn't in the film the guy that plays lupin i guess i don't know much about his history i think he's somewhat of a renowned uh, actor in Japan, he does a lot of anime adaptions, but he did not have an ounce of Lupin's charisma, identity, no. voice. Uh, he the he is like silent for like I want to say like seventy percent of the film. He says these little one lines, but they're not witty. There's no banter, and and that I think just took me straight out of the film already. From the very first scene, I'm like, who is this guy? He is not the character I fall in love with. Yeah, and, and before I kind of join you in 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 breaking that down, um, I just I just have to say that I hate that we're here. You know, I hate that we <laughs> we had to do this. I hate that we were born on this planet. Earth. <laughs> yeah, because you know, talking Lupo. <laughs> like people say, oh, you know, if I had a time machine, I'd go back. I'd see the dinosaurs. I'd go see, you know, ancient Babylon. 
you know, I'd go back, I'd kill Hitler, whatever. Do you the know? first Olympic Games. Yeah. Give yeah. that person their first medal for their achievement. Exactly. I mean, going back to what we talked about earlier, like, you know, go see the crucifixion, maybe. I don't know. Like, Jeremy, so Jesus many. Sister. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Um, there's so many things that I would do if I had a time machine. But I, I have to say, like, now, I would be like, I'd go back a week <laughs> earlier and just be like, guys, you don't need My to do this. Wish. Just. Just start talking about the Fidchika show, like just hard pass, you know, like just move on. This this doesn't need to be a part of the podcast because I feel like it's just it it's such a cringing part on the atomic structure of my life right now that I have a piece of Lupin media that I actively dislike. <laughs> like I feel like everything that we've watched, you know, there might be episodes that were like, yeah, all right, whatever, you know, or parts of like part one where it's like, wow, Lupin's done some really you know, like misogynist things or whatever, where I'm like, oh, I don't like this. But I've, I've still kind of been like, nah, I'd still stand up for Lupin as a series. Uh, but this is the first part where I'm like, I don't think I have an ounce of defence for this movie. Like, it's just absolutely indefensible. That's not, that's mm. definitely not a word, but it's, I'm losing thought. I'm losing traction of, of talking. But um, that aside, yeah. that put that aside, Ben, I totally agree. I think the thing that makes this not work at all and kind of on the opposite tells us why every other piece of Lupin media has worked is that there is no Lupin in this movie. Because if there was, we would love it. You know, if yes. there was, there'd be something to appreciate from it. Just like Strange Psychokinetic Strategy, you know. I, I would say that that main character was definitely Lupin. It was a Lupin of a certain tone of a certain era with a certain perspective but it was still Asene Lupin the third Asen Lupin the third but th there is nothing of Lupin in this there is a, a series of writers who are really big into the Marvel Cinematic Universe movies in particular the the zingers the, the, the one-liners you know the the sort of winking at the camera um they kind of were told hey look guys I know you wanted to work on Iron Man 3, but tough, you know, you're not going to get it. Uh, we're we're going to have to write like this live action adaptation of this anime series that you haven't seen, but your Italian pen pals have. And that's, that's all who, that's who I felt wrote this movie and hence wrote this character of Lupin because it's, it's like what a non Lupin Japanese fan thinks a Westerner would want in a action movie. Yeah, I think I think I'd like to break this down a little bit later. I think maybe we should tow over the base of the film first. But yeah. I I think it is something about the movie where Eastern cinema um, has looked at Western films and what's been successful, and they've tried to copy in their own way what that is to to validate themselves as a as a, you know cinema. And I think they've they've misunderstood the parts that make. Western films good and it's, it's kind of like there's a distorted lens in the way of, of this projection and what we get as a result yeah is a distorted version of Lupin I think it it, it really I think it, it's a it's a perfect storm of like the wrong direction for the visual style the wrong direction for the acting the wrong direction for the costumes the wrong direction for the effects the wrong direction for the plot and, and narrative uh, even the sound design if if I had to say I hated something the most in this movie, it would probably be the elevator music that catered to the whole, like 
Yeah, I, I think Yuji Ono is sorely missed. If if Yuji Ono composed something for this movie, it would be some sort of reprieve at the very least. But there there is nothing to salvage. Most of the music is just the driest, deadest sounding, light shopping center lobby food court jazz music I've ever heard in my life. And there there when there's a scene where there's already nothing going on. I could feel my brain melting and like it, I had to force myself to watch this yeah. movie. It was, I agree. I have to say look, of the one thing that I would want to complain about. No, I don't no, no, no. The number one thing is that it's a complete bastardization of all of these characters and the property in general. But apart from that, if there was one thing that I would want to chastise the most from this movie, it would be the fact that I think that whoever made this film does think that the thing that Western anime fans love the most is anime characters speaking English. When in fact, (laughs) the number one thing that all English speaking anime watchers hate the most is anime characters speaking English. It is, it is just, I I can't conceive of any other reason why, like there is no linguistic reason for why seemingly 32% of this movie is badly spoken English. I think, yeah, so to establish this for people that haven't seen the movie and honestly don't watch it, no, um, no, it opens up with like like some James Bond Mission Impossible, like modern James Bond Mission Impossible kind of style rip-off high scenario. It didn't feel very Lupin, didn't feel uh, well planned because they weren't doing the heavy lifting themselves. They use all these high-tech gadgets and uh, modern effects that feel very out of place for Lupin to, to steal this thing. And in the kind of back and forth of the heist where everyone's in costumes and they haven't established who anyone is, they keep switching backwards and forwards between English and, and Japanese and, and uh, potentially another language was thrown yeah. in there or, or very soon afterwards in the following scenes. Um, I think that maybe... Yeah, it comes down to maybe in the film setting wanting to have everyone speak their native tongue. Like Lupin is a very global franchise. And so I think there is an element where it's appeal to Western market if this movie gets out there. Yes. But I think maybe when you're approaching the movie, it's not a wrong idea to ponder what would it be like if instead of all the characters speaking Japanese, they spoke their native tongue. Yeah. Uh, that would kind of be interesting for Lupin, especially, you know, you know the Italian series yeah. and that kind of thing. Um, you could have a lot of different accents and you could explore a lot of different parts of the world. You could cast a lot of people in their right um, nationalities for the roles. I think that's a noble idea. But when you're watching as the audience, it's incredibly jarring. I actually thought, and I think it is like dubbed at points. Yeah, like, I don't think it's them it's speaking up. English. It's someone else dubbing their voice when they speak English. And that yeah. was really There's jarring. A lot of ADR. Like, what, did, what did I download? I thought I downloaded the yeah. the Japanese version. And like, there's no option for subtitles. What have I downloaded? And yeah, it was yeah. just weird ADR. Oh, yeah. Um, and yeah, it's definitely the actor speaking because I can hear English from like a fucking million miles away. Um, but what gets me, I, I agree. I think your rationale there, Ben, like, you know, is okay. Yeah, Lupin is very globe trotting. If there was a movie that was largely set in Italy, whenever they're speaking to the, you know, um, 
native Italian people, if Lupin, Fujiko, Jigen, whatever, spoke Italian, that would make perfect sense because in the world of the anime, you are assuming they are speaking Italian when they're speaking to Rebecca, when they're speaking to yeah. all of the different characters. So I would think that doing that in a very, you know, explicit way would be fantastic. But there are so many scenes in this movie where they just switch between Japanese and English for no apparent reason. They're in Thailand and like, oh, Hong Kong. Yeah, they're in Southeast Asia for a large part of the movie. And there is no reason, real reason to speak English in just random chunks. You know, it's, it's absolutely bizarre why they did it. And well, no, it's not bizarre. I know why. It's because they think that they're going to get English fans to be more into it. They're, they're like, oh, it's so classy. It has English in there. When in fact, it just makes it so much more awkward, stunted and incoherent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it, it, it definitely backfired at the end. Um, so the opening scene, you know, it sets up all your favorite Lupin cast members. Um, you know, you've got Lupin's present, Fujiko's present, Pierre is present, and also fan favorite Michael is present. Um, you know, the core team of Lupin's group are all there. There are so uh, many characters <laughs> in this movie! <laughs> uh, they, like, every act, the cast extends by 50%. I spent the first 10 minutes just turning to my wife. I was just like, who the hell is Pierre? Like, oh, why, who is he? He's just hanging out like one of the main crew. It goes on to explain that Lupin, I guess it's going for like an origin setup for Lupin and trying to give him a canon origin for simplification of the film. But he works for some <laughs> random white guy based yep. in Hong Kong that has this council of thieves and they all meet up and high five each other and have fun. Uh, Fucking and dumb. To take over dumb the Assassin's Creed bullshit. They're like, all they're all Japanese, so like you don't get a good feel for them representing. Like the idea is cool. I think it would be cool to see Lupin interact with like a, a thieves guild from around the world, and and honestly, that's not a bad idea for how maybe he starts. Yeah, but it would be like an episode where he's stealing some shit from the thieves guild, yes, and then he fucks exactly. off to one of his hideouts and just chills with the gang. He's, he's fully subservient. They kind of. Yeah. Sure, Fujiko is this like manipulating woman already oh. out of the gate without giving you a reason to like her. Her actress, I can see why they kind of cast her in that direction, but she is just so dry and lacks the ch- oh, like. Wow. And and I would maybe argue Fujiko is such a difficult character to pull off. And I disagree, but Ben. The world, Fujiko world, should be 1974. Be... We know it can work, yeah, so exactly. that's what was frustrating. Fujiko should be the easiest character to do. Well, no, Goemon's probably the easiest, (laughs) but like Fujiko should be the common denominator here. You know, I I expected to at least appreciate Fujiko in this movie, but even there was no reprieve with her as well. She's Um, kind of just like, you know what she reminded me of? Like, just like the the chick protagonist in Tokyo Drift, or like yeah. any movie where like a girl tags along with the main protag and she's snarky because she's a better fighter or whatever, but she never does or contributes anything to the plot. Like what I love about Fujiko, she always ascends and and goes beyond that trope, and she just rode that trope comfortably yeah. this whole film. I think you've hit on something there, Ben. I think this movie because they know that. of people, except for your friend who hasn't watched Back to the Future and your (laughs) wife, uh, who I would say now is a Lupin fan anyways, but 99% are going to be Lupin fans. 
the movie assumes that you know the gravitas that these characters carry. You know, they assume that the, the characters already carry an edge to them, an energy, a charisma. So the movie does no heavy lifting in that regards. They don't get the characters to achieve anything. They don't get the characters to be dynamic, you know, to have that gravitas because they just assume that by naming these characters by their names, that they would have that already. But boy, are they wrong. You know, if you don't write the characters as the characters, you're not going to get anywhere. And I think that's one of the biggest crimes of this movie because it's so lazy, Ben. It's that thing. They're just leaning on the legacy. They're leaning on the trademark, the characters, you know, and they're, and they're letting the the fans do the heavy lifting. I can imagine, honestly, Ben, I could actually imagine there being fans who would still like this or even love it because they're like, anything that's Lupin must be amazing, you know? I mean, heck, we thought that for a while until this, this, <laughs> until <watched> this movie <laughs> sauntered into our lives, you know? So I think that that's the thing that makes me the most angry is that, you know, these properties or these organizations feel that they can get away with a movie like this um i feel that some of the superhero movies have done it to a certain extent more on the dc side than i feel the marvel side but it is that that trend that you know uh companies get into where they're like yep we're adapting this thing that everyone knows and everyone knows the characters and they dress them up to look like the characters and they give them a name and they sometimes even cast a decent actor for it but they don't write them to be the character they don't get the character to prove that they are them you know it's like Mm. yeah it's like man of steel you know how when does he actually act like superman we just assume he's superman we're meant to love that character because he has the fucking s on his chest but he's not actually superman for for any of the movie you are know? you some kind of super <laughs> pa system interrupting um anyways I, yeah i i think um yeah i think when it comes to to western superhero movies you can give a little bit of a pass to that because that originally maybe not so much now that we've had thanos snap half the universe but before kind of that was all set up you had kind of very fantastical elements to superheroes that you had to sell to normie markets and so you had to downplay them and make them more like detectives or regular people to make them relatable Mm -hmm. i don't think i have to do that anymore but i think that makes sense to superheroes when you take lupin who is a, a master thief spy and make him more accessible to people you basically rob everything that's interesting of the master thief spy genre, which is done to death by normies, and you're just left with nothing, just vapid yeah. emptiness. Um, I, I do have a different theory if we're going to start going into speculation. I, I, I can't be fucked talking about this actual movie, <laughs> so let's just talk about it. There's, there's, there's a few things I'd like to talk about, but my theory for why it comes across as it does, and... I need to be really clear. I'm going on a massive generalization here. I know nothing about Eastern cinema or how, I mean, it looks like a very uh, a cross country project, this movie. I'm sure Japanese, Chinese, uh, Thai people, like all kind of worked on this kind of thing together to produce it. Looking at some of the names in the credits, it looked very, it wasn't just a Japanese only project. It wasn't just like a Hong Kong cinema project. I think it's a combination of all those Eastern film elements coming together. Um, but my 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 theory is looking at some of the casting. A, a lot of the main cast, including Lupin, I think Jigan, I think Goemon, have all been at, in different points, various uh, different Eastern Asian country versions of the same band. So there's some kind of like pop band, 
I don't understand it a lot. Wikipedia in English does not tell you a lot of information. And they're in their respective home countries kind of pop band as these like pretty boy pop stars. Now, pop idol culture in Japan, Korea is a whole whole other dynamic and universe that I am not interested <laughs> to learn enough about, but is also way beyond my comprehension um, compared to Western singers. I think the 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 assumption that these characters are cool and the way these actors act and, and a lot of the scenes where it's just them on a boring rooftop terrace having a party and living the good life and oh. like no dialogue happens and everyone's just looking cool and doing cool stuff and at their friends in their general cool direction and I like think, Lupin just kindly sucks everyone's dick like yeah he's just nice yeah I think just a lot like of oh that, I'm your buddy you know a lot of that comes down to I think how pop stars and the coolness associated with them uh, is played out in Eastern countries. And I think some of that appeal is to appeal to uh, female audience watching and buying the merchandise of these pop stars. I think a lot of those actors got the roles possibly because they are famous first as this other pop role and you go to watch this movie not because you're going to watch Lupin and a good adaption loop and you're going to watch oh it's this pop star in this movie and it's a justification for them to be in a movie I feel like there's some element there that is connective to why they kind of just stand there everyone's wearing a lot of contemporary yeah. fashion um, and they're not doing anything I think it's it's kind of the same reason um, people go and watch a Korean drama and I'm not knocking Korean dramas and films. I've seen a couple of good ones, but I've seen some that like my Korean friends would. Yo, hype Parasite up and... is the best movie of the last year. So oh, like, I won a Western up. Oscar. So yeah. <laughs> it did yeah. alright. I really like um, uh, not what's it called? My not my funny Valentine. Not my crazy ex girlfriend. My they did an American adaption and it sucked. But the oh Korean my god, Ben! You know what I'm I haven't finished Crazy Ex Girlfriend yet. <laughs> oh my god, I totally forgot. You're not missing much. Definitely peaked in the first two seasons. Okay. Um <laughs> Yeah, you should finish the fight. Um no, there's a Korean drama movie, it's quite funny. I liked it. Korean movies um, can be good and can be very good. But there's something about, you know, when it's Korean drama, I think there's a lot of those elements kind of that have come into this movie. And when you combine that with like dry Hollywood action and you don't have any of the comedy or adventure of Lupin, it just was the driest, rawest film I've ever had to sit through. It yeah. was uncomfortable. I counted maybe three jerks in the whole film. Yeah. These are the three jerks in the film, so you don't have to watch the movie. Yeah. Uh, Goemon tries to look through lasers, and it's like he's on LSD, and he has a freak out when he realizes the one part of the lasers. Funny slapstick. Cool. cool. Haha. <laughs> Two. Lupin tries to kick down a metal door and he very lightly touches it and it doesn't fall down. And so he tries a second time and then it does fall down. <laughs> Third joke is the really one I thought was actually funny where uh, Fujiko is fighting some reoccurring villain chick that's not interesting in the movie, except they exploit her to do like an underwear bikini fight at some point in the film. And so she's kind of Fujiko's nemesis, but I don't know anything about her character. And they're fighting, and she's trying to be like, yeah, I'm your nemesis. I've got honor. Come fight me, Fujiko. And Fujiko, in probably the most Fujiko moment in the film, and you could argue maybe it's even not, it's just like, oh, I don't have, like, honor, and just shoots her. <laughs> I thought that was legitimately <laughs> funny. 
that was a good setup you could use. I just liked the idea of Fujiko being so callous and like not caring about this chance to just yeah. shut her at point blank range. Uh, whereas Lupin and the others were all going toe to toe with their nemesis. Like, okay, that was actually funny and credit where credit's due. That's, that, but, that sells. Like I could imagine like, you know, Fujiko from any part of the series doing yes. that actually. She's yeah. going to take the path of least resistance to achieve her goals. Um, yeah. Like water running down a sciencey term. Um, I, I, <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? Just this movie's so boring. I'm started talking about physics. So yeah. I, um, I actually think Ben, like this movie, and I don't know who. I don't know how much involvement like TMS, which is the entertainment company that produces the anime. Um, I don't know how much involvement like. Yeah, I think it's TMS. Anyways, I don't know how much involvement the anime production company had with this because what it felt like to me, it felt very much like Poochie, that they wanted to set up this mythology. They wanted to set up all of these cool, zany characters to reboot the anime with like a larger cast, you know, larger cast resulting in, you know, um, a larger, more mainstream cast, obviously, where, you know, more people would get into it. They could sell more merchandise, things like that, and really bring back the series. Though this would be around, what, like a year or so before part four came out? Because yeah. part four was like, what, 2015? Yeah, I think so. Something like that. Like, yeah. the anime is not long behind, and the anime is not fully outdated because we just had a woman named Fujiko Mine and it, it still had the woman named Fujiko Mine movies in between. Exactly. Um, so that's what you're comparing to which do go down a darker route and we're going to get to those sometime soon but um, they still maintain all the interesting uh, uh, fantasy elements and suspense and action and adventure and, and also characters that really drive home the character drama. Oh, uh, straight up. Ben, like, again, going back to how Lupin can be Lupin anywhere and it's always the greatest thing ever. There is an episode, because me and my partner are um, re-watching a woman called Fichika Mine. There is an episode that is straight up about, like, intense physical sexual trauma and, you know, wanting to kill that trauma by actively killing someone else who's experienced the same thing and Lupin is straight up like bugs bunnying around all of those topics and just like straight up chilling and it works it's like the best thing ever but in this movie you know there is none of that there is no no atom of that character there is no I reckon this this is what I would put on the DVD cover a movie completely devoid of whimsy Ben, like there is <laughs> yeah. not a single bit of whimsy anywhere to be found. It, it um, yeah, it's it's crazy, and like we're not making it up when we were talking about like Pierre and Michael. Like the movie keeps adding characters that just follow Lupin around like a bad stench. They just keep setting up people and they keep hanging around and I'm just waiting for them to leave or contribute to the plot and they don't. And it really takes away from the characters. Like they introduce a couple, I think two characters, they introduce, I think Pierre slots into this role and then they introduce Maz from Star Wars episode seven. This uh, <laughs> random guy um, who is wearing these big goggles and has like a ponytail hair extension and he, he's the master hacker. And so he's doing all their technology work, which, you know, in something like James Bond, where he hasn't been necessarily trained in, in hacking, it's fine to pair it with a sidekick. Um, but in Lupin, the idea of those characters, they're meant to be so good in every area that they approach. They don't need someone to do their hacking. 
Okay, except for part five, because they can do the happiness. Ami's <laughs> <laughs> just like, yo, what? <laughs> uh, oh, Lupin didn't need her in the end. Anyway, um, they don't need people to do that. And yet these cast members keep hanging in and they're eating food with them and they're just distracting from yeah. the plot. Now, as you said before, like, were these characters put in there for reboot or not? My theory is they're probably somewhat famous people that wanted to sign up and slot into the film. But I don't know enough to say whether or not that's true. But they're the only two theories I could put forward is that they either I wanted to expand the cast for sequels. Yeah. I can come up with it. My third theory is that this movie is somehow like predicting that episode of Rick and Morty where all of those like random characters just keep popping up and And it ends. It feels like that, but less funny. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Like, you know, the only thing that could have salvaged this is if Mr. Poopy butthole shows up and Lupin shoots him in the face and, you know, it turns out he was real all along. Like, like it's, it honestly did feel like that at this point where people just kept showing up and, we were meant to just assume like they were family, that they were part of the gang without yeah. actually telling us why they cared about each other. Yeah. There's that, yeah, I don't know if it's Pierre or Michael or whatever the fuck, but that guy who just is always doing a Rubik's Cube, like, what is his deal? Like, what the <laughs> fuck? I honestly <laughs> didn't know who he was for the longest time. And he's introduced before Jigun. So like, I don't know, I don't know why <sighs> they're doing. In, oh. in defense of the movie, when Goemon shows up, Goemon, I actually thought the actor did a good job playing Goemon. Now, that's like saying a tree does a good job at playing a plank of wood. Like, there's Aww, not a lot of complexity. Nah, Goemon's, Goemon's great. There's not a lot of complexity to him, but he had the look and he had the character. His character, when he said a line, it was kind of unintentionally funny because of how dry Goemon's character is in yeah. contrast with others. And that's been humor in the show. Yeah. So he, he kind of worked a lot of the scenes. He, he cut things, I guess. Um, not as powerful, but he still cut things. He he worked for me. He complained about the world being different. But I read in some trivia about this movie, one of the producers or directors at some point wanted to change Goemon so he was wearing modern clothes and not his <laughs> traditional samurai garb. And that's indicative of this whole movie is they're not understanding how to use these characters. Like, can you imagine Goemon in some Kingdom Hearts modern oh. J-pop BS? I would not, like, I sword. would not be opposed to Organization 13 being in this movie. It very nearly does that, though. Some of the characters are straight up, like, Organization, Organization 13 uh, wannabes. Yeah, Le- beagle and, leather coats and blades, like, yeah. weirdly, weirdly shaped blades coming out of places. Yeah, and, um, like, the general plot of the movie... They compete to see who's in control of this thing. They, their boss gets killed, and then they find out about a, a mission that was never finished. And they go on the mission, and they succeed in the mission. That's basically the whole purpose of the movie. That is like it could work, but for me, like the big killer is one. Obviously, no jokes. It's not fun. The big killer is every scene in the movie feels like it grows for its own two hours. It's like while you're watching the movie, you get trapped in a pocket loop of time. And like every scene expands for two hours. And and it's cause the way they film it is these long slow. So it's either, if it's a fighting scene, it's very quick cut, like Quantum of Solace era Hollywood where you can't tell what the hell's going on in the action scene because you can't see anything. Very different to the anime where every 
frame is a piece of art showing the, the chaos and, and fun. But then when you have a scene that's not action, and there's actually like not that much action in this movie. They really save the budget. For there's not the a scenes. lot of robbery, to be honest. No. There's not <laughs> a lot of stealing for a Lupin yeah. series. Yeah, exactly. But then when they do any other scene, they spend so much time of characters just like looking at each other or like like if someone will hand someone a document, they do like a 20 minute like, oh, let me give you the document and like, a slow panning shot of the document and the guy gets the document and then he like looks at him sadly and then he reminisces about his backstory it's just shots of them eating food and not even particularly good food just like chicken skewers on a rooftop and it grows on for 20 years oh. the way they pace every shot i think to create that kind of cool factor like the jeff wingleider care about this you know it's fake yeah. it's artificial it's just so it's like, you know, slouched so back so on your chair. Yeah, like, you look, know, look like, how cool I am. I don't need chin. to do a flip. Yeah. yeah. Look at me. Yeah. I don't need to be in an explosion. Look how neat I am. And it's so dry. I couldn't stand it. Yeah. Scenes just went on for years. I aged. I went in as, <laughs> as a 20-something-year-old man who came out elderly. <laughs> Like oh it's my that gosh. it's the episode where Zenigata captures Lupin in part four, and we just come out anorexic, beard, you know, unkempt hair. Our own Fujikos and Jugens and Goemons are in different parts of the world, just waiting for us to return. But you know, little do they know that we're just trapped with this movie. Yeah, couldn't paint our way out. Yeah, I, I think um, I think yeah. Let's start to kind of wrap things up a little bit, Ben, because that, it's no? just painful. <laughs> it's just so painful. Like, what else do you want to say about this film? I guess Ken Wanatabi was uh, um, Zenigata. Oh, which, that was wrong choice. choice. He should have been Jigen, but whatever. Yeah. Like, I mean, they would have still fucked that up with the writing, but yeah, Ken Wanatabi should have been I get the appeal Jigen. of Ken Wanatabi. It's, he just does movies for both West and East and just has a lot of work or he yeah. just shows up and like, I never think he's interesting. No, uh, it's funny because I think in Japan, in Japan, they they view Ken Watanabe as their sort of like what China would view Jackie Chan, maybe like you know, kind really? of highly Western. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. Disappointing. Yeah, because um, oh, does he do gonna... stunts? Of... Yeah, I, I've only is... seen him when he's old, so I don't know. Yeah. Like, what was prime Ken Watanabe? <laughs> yeah. Now, in this manga that I read, like um, the characters are of course Japanese, and they're in Brazil, and yeah. they keep keep getting called Jackie Chan and they're like, nah, man, we're not Jackie Chan, we're Ken Watanabe. So <laughs> yeah, it's just like that sort of mainstream Western actor that sort of represents the ethnicity or the culture a little right. bit. Kind of okay. like, I don't know, like do Dev like Patel the... would be the Indian, you know, okay. like if if there was like to be a Tom Hollywood Hanks movie of, of Cleon, they would, it, it would be played by Dev Patel. Okay. Uh, interesting. Um, he would I be guess... a Greek actor. Oh, I don't know. I'm really half Greek. You need to find someone that's part Irish, part Greek to really. You're part Irish? Yeah. Like English Irish, probably more Irish though. No wonder Um, you can hold your alcohol. I get it. That's it. Yeah. Makes sense. My alcohol and my oozer. So watch out, German bars. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But um, I guess the last thing I would want to comment is um, uh, whilst also researching it, at one point in about like, I think 2006. there was a producer, American producer, eyeing the film. Uh, and uh, I think he went as far as getting the rights or nearly getting the rights at the time. Uh, and he is a producer that has worked on Jurassic, I forget his name, I think it's like Paul something, on like Jurassic Park and Schindler's List and like a whole bunch of Spielberg 
movies. So, you know, I, we don't know the history. I don't think we'll ever know the history, but you have to wonder how close did this movie actually come to getting the, the Spielberg treatment or being looked over by American film writers? Did a script get written for the West that somehow got kicked over to the East? Or did, you know, we know Monkey Punch is involved in it a little bit, but I think he's mainly absent from the film unless perhaps he lost a bit of his charm over the years. I don't know. He seems to still be very well regarded throughout Lupin's lifespan, but we do know he has some controversial views on the original series and that kind of thing. So I don't know what he actually contributed to this movie, um, but I, it would be interested if, if we could ever learn that what would that movie have looked like and what has of that has hung around for this movie. Um, yeah, you know what, Ben? I, I did start off the podcast saying, like, you know, maybe we should never go live action with Lupin again. Like, maybe we should just close the the book on that story. But um, I actually do think there might be some validity in, in seeing a live action Lupin. I think uh, my, my first instinct is to say, all right, let's just, you know, let, let's get Hollywood in on this. Let's get a really good production company to do like a, you know, like a Netflix series or a HBO show that's, that's Lupin-like. Um, but I actually think like, let's double down on the whole Italian sort of basis of Lupin. And I would love yeah. to see like a European film, yeah. you know, do, do like, you know, have like a European stint on it just because I feel that so much of it is so effortlessly European um, in feeling and tone. So that might be something that I would like to see. And, and yeah, uh, maybe, maybe I shouldn't be so quick to just close. Cause to be honest, we're 50 50, right? Like we love strange psychokinetic strategy. That was awesome. Yes. And we fucking hated this. So maybe we shouldn't yes. really close the door no. completely on I, I think, doing live action. I think Lupin works really strongly conceptually. And I think you could write a very good script. I think it would come down to, does the director have a strong enough vision to say no to Hollywood producers? It would be yeah. the Hollywood machine draining life out of it. Um, and trying to rework everything for an audience. You don't make Lupin go to the audience. You make the audience come to Lupin. You know, yeah. if no one watches that, switch it off. But, yeah. you know, you've got to put forth something that is Lupin and doesn't sell it short. Um, nice part five reference yeah, there. Thank I you. Thank you. Um, I think there's one other thing I want to... Oh, yeah. So I just remember the most insulting part of the whole movie. And oh, I, we, can, we can mention this and then we can close the, the book on the sun forever. Um, there's a part where Lupin sends out his calling card. And to be honest, the calling card is the one good Lupin prop. In the <laughs> it's the one drawing. thing that like made me think of the show and being like, oh, I do actually love Lupin the Bear. Yeah. Like, I do like this series. But there's a part as a part of the calling card. He hacks their systems to announce that he's coming to steal something. And he projects an anime version of himself. Oh, now, oh, now no! shooting, shooting fish in a barrel, oh. you would think, oh, if you're going to have Lupin reference his own anime, you would use clips of the Lupin anime or design new clips to look like Lupin. I don't know what backwater Thai sweatshop made this footage, but they somehow redesigned Lupin to look like flash animation and look not like Lupin in the anime at all. Like they reference scenes from the anime. He's got like his jacket and I think it plays some of the music and whatever, but it it is like garbage. It it doesn't look like him deleted at all. it from my memory. Sorry, I, I had to mention it. It's deleted worth, it. Like 
it's the most like missed opportunity I've ever seen in my life. Could they not get the rights to the anime? <laughs> like part of five and, references the anime. And Ben, this is the thing. This is the thing, Ben. This movie so wanted Western audiences to not not care about anime, to not care that Lupin was an anime. It was completely erasing the history but still leaning on it for everything that it needed to. Yeah. It was oh. gen- genocide anime. <laughs> <laughs> you heard it here first. Uh, uh, let's just stop before we, before that goes to a very sore spot in the world right now. Um, to not make me get political. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that is Lupin the third. It shouldn't even be called that because no. it just sounds like it's canon. Honestly, and this is like my honest opinion, if you're out there and you're a Lupin fan, you need to start championing strange psychokinetic and, uh, strategy as the Lupin movie. Like we have to be unified on this as the fan yeah. base. And we have to say, this is the one true live action adaption. I don't care if it was made in, this, in 1974, it's held up mostly. It's yeah. fun. It's, you'll get a laugh. You can show this at a friend's house on a bad movie night and be like, lol, this is a funny movie that happened. And it's still funny. And and the yeah. characters are pretty true to themselves. However, they're all ba- basically the characters, you know. It's it's Fire a good again, but yeah. It's a good bad movie. In fact, I don't think it's a bad movie. It transcends that and is I think it's genuinely a good movie. Just um, a good movie, yeah. This movie I went in hoping would be a good bad movie. I was hoping like I've seen like the Phoenix Riot live action movie and the, the Full Metal Alchemist live action movie. And they're pretty bad tonally. They do this dry, way too serious kind of thing. But at least there's some like funny juxtapositions to the anime. You can comment, you can watch it, be like, I can't believe this exists. This is a bad, bad movie. There's nothing funny to get out of it. It's not good enough to be good and entertaining. It's not bad enough that you can laugh and cringe at it. Like, it's yeah. just like, I, it is the, the driest definition of the word dry. Yeah. It's the like reason- here where they haven't added the liquid yet. Like, yeah. Yeah, the reason why we can't just look at stuff happening outside and say, oh, that's a five-star, you know, piece of thing that's happening in front of me versus a movie is that a movie is created so that it gets our attention, so it draws us in, so that there's something for us to process, to analyze, to enjoy, to have some sort of emotional connection. This movie has none of that. This movie is just I felt things no, I just, happening. All I felt was sleepiness yeah. and wanting it to end. Yeah. Those were the strongest emotions yeah. I felt. I yeah. fortunately had a kebab before it, so I wasn't hungry. Yeah. So at least the movie had that going for it. I wasn't hungry when I watched it. Yeah. And um, yeah, if for some reason, you know, if you just want to sort of have some sort of a connection to why we felt this way about this movie and you do end up watching it, um, advice for you, dear listeners. YouTube. Don't take a shit in the middle of the movie because it just prolongs the suffering. Damn, I haven't felt so trapped and hopeless since the last time I went to Disneyland. <laughs> if you, it, Watch it until you get bored. And as soon as you feel that, just stop it. Stop. Just turn it off. Like, you have a choice. That's how you're going to feel for the next uh, one hour and 50 minutes of yeah. the film. <laughs> yep, yep. All right, Ben, um, I think we'll move on to our recommendations segment. You cheap sons of bitches, I'm worth at least twice that! Le 
Um, so do you have anything to recommend? Yeah, uh, because um, that was just such a downer, wasn't it? Yes, it was. Um, my recommendation this week, if you want to go back and watch something that uh, hasn't aged as well as other things, but is still entertaining, I'm getting a big kick out of rewatching the uh, fourth season of Digimon. Digimon Front Frontier. Um, wait, 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 is that the one where the, the, the humans turn into the Digimon? As we work towards one solution Through a spirit evolution That's my favourite one! Yeah! No so, one likes it, but I love it! So as, as a kid, it kind of came out, I'm going to say I was 13-ish when yeah. it started to air. I was a big fan of the original Digimon. I, it took me a while to warm up with Pokemon Mania being such a big thing. Yeah. But once I sat down on Fox Kids and started watching Digimon Marathons, I was like, oh, dude, this show goes to some places other yeah. kids' cartoons won't yeah. go. Sure, the English localization is goofy as heck, but honestly, at times, it probably gives Digimon a voice that they probably don't have in, in Japanese. That's there is an ethereal sense in that movie, the fact that they're on that train, they're just in these very odd landscape yeah I, that of, that's what i've always loved about digimon uh, this really disembodied yeah. world like the digital world is a really wacky fantasy world and and i think too in all the digimon series it's this long-winded story that has a, a start and and se separate arcs and a conclusion and really good character moments throughout is it worth it when there's episodes where they just sit around and eat hamburgers i don't know but the, oh, the, it made the me crave a fucking hamburger though bro the I climax enjoyed moments, my next hamburger after yeah. those episodes Climax moments are hype. There's a lot of character payoff. And you don't see that in kids' cartoons. You don't see cartoons that really are, are trying to break these characters open and make them wrestle with their past and their dark sides and then overcome those and then save the world. Like, that kind of long-running story is really fun for kids. And I think especially fun now when most kids' cartoons just run in the opposite direction. Most kids' cartoons, you have wacky continuity for five minutes and then it resets to the status quo, right? So... Uh, Digimon is worth rewatching. It is the series where they digivolve themselves. So when I was a kid, I initially saw that. I was like, what? I'm not about that. That's weird, yo. But now that I'm older, it's pretty cool. Like they summon this like spiritual barcode yeah, and like love scan it. it with their Digivice and they put on this oh, armor yeah. and then their Best spirit, version like, of the Digivice, yeah. by the way. Did you play yeah, the Digivice cool. games? That that oh, one. I never I so I never kept up with the, the devices in real life. So how did that one work? Could you scan things with it? Yeah, you scanned things Ooh. and then you would like fight That's Digimon sick. based on what you scanned. It's it was the best one. That's it was so easily cool. the best one. Yeah. I did yeah, try yeah. to explain there was another one that wasn't Japanese, like a Western knockoff called Scanners or yeah. something and you would scan food at the shopping center and make monsters appear and capture them that way and i was trying yeah, to explain that, that to my wife yeah i was trying to tell that to my wife assuming she'd never heard of any technology like that just like oh yeah i had one and i went shopping all the time just to scan <laughs> <laughs> I was obsessed. and yeah. so many monsters like best. of course you did um yeah. so that was quite amusing um so yeah this this season in particular goes to some pretty weird places the whole overarching theme of the villains is this weird like judo christian again japanese people who yeah. haven't read the bible they use of... the um that jewish thing the tree the kabbalah yes, yes yeah. i just that whole arc they go yeah. into the big i don't know kabbalah thing they call it s s not sepukumon uh sakakumon 
yeah. and there's all these different chambers and each chamber like the kids have to face their past or their biggest fear and yeah. they conquer it and they keep fighting their way up and they fight all these yeah. bosses and it's really climatic they get new forms and then it turns out that whole dungeon is a digimon and like the bad guy moves into that form and then because they fought in all the rooms he's learned all their abilities and uses their powers against them it's just so the most like dope. keynote like it's it's stupid shonen anime stuff but it's like the yeah. best version of stupid yeah. it's like when you have a fast food burger and it's like the best burger yeah. you've ever eaten that's what digimon oh, the fourth series is and I'm it's so holds glad up. you like it because yeah. everyone i knew slept on that series and i'm like am i going insane like, no it it, like, it, it, it it works because the cast is smaller as well. You can really yeah. focus on the, the five kids or whatever because they don't have 17 other Digimon walking around <laughs> making annoying noises. Yeah, um, yeah it's, it's, it's fun. Um, and yeah, like they end up fighting Lucifer <laughs> or something, yeah. which would have been wild for parents in, in the early 2000s to let their kids watch. But um, yeah, it's, it, I think it is just as entertaining as the first season of Digimon. If you like Digimon, if you want to relive, memories if you never if you like the first series but never saw the fourth series i'd recommend the fourth series yeah. it's um it's an adventure it, it there's 50 episodes so it, it, there's a lot to it but um yeah. when it hits its moments it's keener yeah fun fact i mm-hmm. have um vcr recordings of the entire dragon ball z boo saga and the entire digimon series 4 on vhs <gasps> wow. somewhere in my garage the whole series the of whole VHS. thing i recorded it that'd all. be worth it for the commercials yeah even ben i was probably nearing adulthood and i was still re-watching that shit on my vcr yeah. i if i if i had a time wish cleon <laughs> I would wish back Fox Kids and just have them do Digimon marathons all the time. Yeah. I would still uh, wish that we never fucking watch this movie, but whatever. Yeah, that's that's fair. That's fair. Um, um, on yeah. on the topic of bad movies, um, yeah, I'm gonna be talking about <laughs> bad movies <laughs> that I think really works in vendors. What I'm gonna talk about. I did not hit her. It's not true. It's bullshit. I did not hit her. I did not. Oh, hi, Mark. Uh, hi, it's Clea. become the obsession of my brain in the last several days. I've been quoting it with my partner to her absolute disgust. And I mean, she really liked it as well, actually. Credit to her. She really enjoyed it as well. But um, can you, uh, can you, before you explain what this is, can you explain that night from your perspective back to me? Like what you were thinking beforehand and then what happened and what you started to think and feel? Oh, I think the main thing was concern for our, our dear friend. Um, I don't know if I should name him. I won't name him. Our friend's television because they were just screws <laughs> being hurled at it the whole time. And I'm like, no, it's going to scratch the screen. What the fuck are you guys doing? <laughs> Stop, please. <laughs> um, but it, it totally, I was expecting something to be like cringeworthy, something that would be like, you know, entertaining because it was so bad but i genuinely feel there was merit in this movie um, what, what did you know about the movie beforehand you knew its I, I title knew, yeah yeah i knew so, that so what was it, the movie yeah so the movie is called the room um not brie larson's room um this was the room and i knew the guy associated with the movie which is tommy Wiseau. I thought he was just like, like, you know, an American creative who made this movie and he thought it was going to be great, but it turned out bad. I did not expect one of the most like 
in like all encompassing mythologies that I've ever come across in my life. Like to, to figure out that this was some like real life, like perplexing conspiracy drama that happened in our world to create this movie. Like, um, it, it surpassed all expectations, not only from the production point of view of what I thought this movie would be, but the actual movie itself was so engaging, so entertaining. There's quotable lines. I can't quote a single fucking three-word phrase from the Lupin movie that we watched, but can probably quote lines of dialogue from this other one, you know, from The Room. Like, it, it was, it's phenomenal. And it, it's kind of a lesson in what a good, bad movie should be like. And very, oh, very similar to Strange... Yeah, a very similar to Strange Psychokinetic Strategy, which I feel shares some some sort of DNA maybe with it, is that there is whimsy, there is fantasy, you know? There are characters who love being there. And I just, I, I don't feel that the characters in the movie that we it's watched It's funny because none of the actors wanted to be there. <laughs> <laughs> but characters, not actors then, characters. True. Maybe, maybe it was all Tommy, he, he wanted to be there. Yeah, so definitely watch, Um. yeah, I think what, what it came out in 2002, did it? Then? Yeah. It, yeah. like, it's, it's quite popular around the cult scene. Yeah. It's the go-to bad movie. So most people at this point will have heard of it or heard of the memes uh, yeah. associated with it. But if you haven't, it's well, like if you're not into bad movies and you want to get into bad movies, this is the one to start and show your friends and have a movie night for. It's just, yeah. there's so much going for it. To be honest, I was disappointed sitting next to you watching it because I love your reactions in movies. You have some of the most over-the-top reactions. But you were so perplexed and engrossed by this film you were forgetting to react to no, stuff because i was hooked in ben the thing the difference between this and batman versus superman is that i wanted to get out like i wanted yeah. to hit the eject button on batman versus superman yeah. and i wanted the chair to fling me into <laughs> some sort of i look if i died i died whatever you know that is the universe's plan for me but like i wanted to get out but this movie just drew me in like yeah. I was like a a, a, a a lost spaceship that was slowly getting into the gravity of a black hole. Like and, I was and just you, you fell for every trap I hope you'd fall for. Like yeah. the more we baited you with a little kernel about Tommy's origin, you're just like, what? Like I've, I've got to know more. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I'm. To, I, I've, I've bought the disaster artist already. Yes. Hopefully, that's... the day after he sends me a screenshot of the book depository receipt for disaster <laughs> artist, which is a, is a fantastic book. And everyone that wants, like, there's a movie based on that book called The Disaster Artist. But if if you want to learn the true Tommy Wiseau story, you need to read the book written by uh, Greg Sinestro, who um, stars alongside him in the film. It is oh, the best Green Lantern and, of them all. Yeah. I always say Sinestro because of Greenlander. That's not his last name, but it just makes me laugh. Um, you, yeah, you have to read the book. We bought one from Greg himself when he came out to Australia at Nova Cinema. Uh, and he did a whole, like, reading with uh, fans dressed up in cosplay of the original script, which had even more, like, I quote the original script. That's how quotable this is. In the original script, there's this line where Tommy comes in and, and Lisa, who's called something else in the script, has made him a breakfast. And he's just like, Thank you for egg breakfast. <laughs> egg breakfast all the time. No one knows I'm quoting something, but it's so funny. And yeah, he, he talked about his experiences. He did Q&A and then he, he was selling the book. We were poor college students, so give us a dirty look as we only bought one copy of the book. But he signed it and he posted a photo for us all uh, with that vapid, lifeless stare. So it was really, yeah. 
neither of you own that book technically. So do you have like a tontine, <laughs> a tontine for it that the last like person alive show. actually owns? Yeah, that's it. That's it. We're gonna kill each other in a Mexican <laughs> stand-up one day. It's Get currently the like the in the ocean floor. Yeah. <laughs> Look, it'd make for a better plot than the Lupin movie. Um yeah. but so, yeah, good, good movie. <laughs> Yeah, really, really good. All right, guys. So we're gonna head off, but um, yeah, follow us on Asinine Lupin on all the socials. Um, please, please. Um, if you have any questions, comments, you know, whatever, email us. Um, asinine at gmail.com. Tweet at us. We're at Asinine Lupin. We have Asinine Lupin on Facebook. Um, yeah, please write up um iTunes reviews. Review us on Apple Podcasts wherever you can. Um, we really appreciate your support. Um, and I think our plan, Benjamin, is that we're going to cover either A Woman Called Fujika Mine or one of the Takeshi Koike movies. Yeah, so I think our plan is you've been watching it with your girlfriend. I want to get my wife watching it yeah. and get some of her thoughts and opinions of Fujika Mine. I, I think that would be a good cleansing palette after the abomination we watch. Mm-hmm. Um, it may be possible that sometime soon we could get our hands on a copy of the uh, Lupin film. Yeah. Uh, we know our boy Lee Sparks has him sipping mimosas watching it in paradise. Oh, friend um, of the podcast are... <laughs> who is making us very jealous right now. <laughs> we are uh, avoiding social media a little bit, trying to avoid spoilers. Yeah, um, I apologize, so guys. Because um, it's just really hard to put updates and, you know, like cheeky tweets when, like, basically the whole movie is in GIF form right now. Um, and as, as, as okay as quick. I am with... Yeah, really quick. And as okay as I am with sort of spoilers about a movie that I'm sure doesn't have any world-breaking revelations, I still kind of want to enjoy the film um, in a sort of natural way. So we're probably going to be a little bit quieter than usual on social media. But um, It'd it'd be like if you'd waited seven years to find out who the mother and how I met your mother... (laughs) who that was and then the day after the episode airs they show a screenshot on their facebook channel it'd be a dog move yeah exactly exactly um so yeah but um if you do have any questions especially about the fujiko series that we will be covering or any of the takeshi koike movies please let us know because i think you know this is this i think probably is the piece like the main sort of um, series of Lupin that somewhat might be its most controversial. I do know that in a lot of the fandom, it is very well regarded, well respected, and especially to us, we think it's kind of like one of the the, the best parts of the Lupin legacy. But we do also know that it did sort of, you know, um, was a bit of a contrasting adaptation of Lupin. Yeah, it's a a bit bit interesting um so cracking that open i think would be a good direction to go in all right sayonara y'all see ya don't watch lupin the live action movie watch psychokinetic strategy please Please don't watch the other one that's all just (laughs) don't watch it please please don't i'm back i will pay you not to watch it golden lions come and go but a good man's worth surpasses gold don't celebrate too soon though jack because just like arnold i'll be back <laughs> <Woo-hoo>! see ya <laughs> you bastard